Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm my camera's up too much. Hold on. There's the man. Okay, there we there we go. Show me those guns. Mm. Damn. Hey, those are beefy guns. <laughs> Thank you. New fun update on what is going to be our what is apparently going to be our recurring segment of Zach's landlord management can bite his white fluffy ass. <laughs> God. What now? Let me read you an email that I had received a few days ago oh, from our good. landlord's management. Okay. Um, so, okay, I'll sum it up for you, basically. Yeah, okay. So, we just put in our air, like all of our air conditioners not too long ago, and they're not all like permanently, permanently in. Like we we got some insulation foam that we need to like tape to the bigger one. But the other day we were like, ah, okay, like this is a bigger place. We're not sure if we're going to be able to cool this entirely. But you know, we have we got an AC in the bedroom, we got an AC in uh, uh, Becca's office, and then we have a bigger one out in like the common space. And the other day we're like, you know what? We we've got them all in. Let's just try to run the experiment and see if it's a little bit more comfortable in here. Um, and naturally it was. It actually worked out pretty okay. And of course it wasn't boiling out or anything. I think it hit like mid eighties, but mm. even a couple degrees colder than you know mid eighties in your home is an appreciable difference. So. Yeah. So we just got all that settled and we're like, oh, okay, maybe we can make this work. We're not even pushing these things as hard as they can go and it's a lot more comfortable in here. Um, and then I get an email from our management. And it's, then when I think more about it, it is kind of reasonable, but I think the timing of it just kind of hit me the wrong way. Uh, apparently, their insurers, the building's insurers will they'll start charging the rental company for each air conditioner they see in the building that does not have a proper air conditioner support in the window. AKA you can't just mm. use bricks because okay. we'll get fined. And if we get fined, you're going to get fined. Yeah. And so, you know, you can install them yourselves. It's not that hard mm-hmm. and also buy them yourselves or, you know, right. we can pay our third party person $35 per air conditioner unit to, you know, put these in. Um, also, you have two weeks to do it or else <laughs> the fines that we get are going to start coming to you. Fucking Christ. Um, and this was sent to everybody. Yeah. Um, naturally. But just well, let's like. Let's see. How long did it take you to get screens? Yeah. Could you do it like a month ago? Could you could you do it before people definitely have their air conditioners in? Yeah. It would be great to have that information when you're installing them. Yes. So that. So that when you're installing them, you can account for this. Or in the situation with our bedroom one, it's a smaller air conditioner. It's not It's not too crazy. But Becca spent, like, a lot of time, like, carving out these pieces of insulation foam to fit in, like, the spot. Yeah. And now we don't know how much of that work is just gone because we have to have some jamoke come and put in a metal piece to make sure our, like, 20-pound air conditioner doesn't, like, ding someone on the way to a Cubs game. Right. <laughs> just ludicrous. Never in my life in this city have I ever come across anything like that. That's wild. Yeah. No, like, I mean, we just stick ours in the window. We take them out every year and it's fine. Like nobody yeah. gives a shit. So I don't know. I, f- I feel like you would have to really fuck up installing an air conditioner for it to fly out of the window and kill somebody. That's what I think too. And like, 
I've installed some dicey air conditioners before. I've done it by myself. It's not fun because you're always worried about like, you know, your several hundred dollar thing just flying out two stories down. Yeah. But like at this point, I've done it enough that like I understand the physical leverage necessary to make sure it's a safe thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And on top of that, too, uh, the screens were put in and great. We were able to open those up and immediately aerate a lot of the I don't know if I talked about this last time or not. I I, I'm, I forget if screens were a thing that I had acquired <laughs> by the time we last yeah, I don't, recorded. I, I don't remember either if you had already acquired screens. It's It's hard to figure out. But even with them in, though, the amount of foliage around the apartment, which like which is fine. Greenery is good. Yeah. But it's attracting so many of these little tiny bugs. Ah. And this the screens aren't perfectly sealed. So like when night hits and any of the lights that are by the windows, these bugs are coming right into the unit. And, sure. and I have to like break out the. <laughs> I have to break out the dust buster and just seal their fates. So <laughs> yeah. I've killed like probably up to a hundred bugs at this point just by sucking them down, you know? Damn. Uh, so we're, we're gonna, there's a little bit more work to do around here is, is kind of yeah. what I'm saying. I still like the place. There's it, good things are, are going on here. Um, but it feels like a two steps forward, one step back thing constantly. And sure. I know we'll get it. I know it'll be fine soon. Yeah. Anyways, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm done. That's it. You just got to get out of that groove. It's like the first couple of months in a new place is always going to be a little bit rough and like learning the ropes and <laughs> learning how to deal with this management company, I guess. Just like one week passes and everything's fine. And another week, you're just like, oh, what the fuck is this? Yeah, right. <laughs> just that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you take the good weeks and then... Yeah, what the fuck is this? And then you get through it, and it's fine. That's about right. How are, sorry, how are how are you doing? Clearly, I'm I'm a little worked up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, I'm sorry for that. I'm 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 good. I'm I'm doing okay. I'm I'm very excited to go and do laundry in a laundromat tomorrow. So is tomorrow the day that you are like clear and fully juiced? Um, I think two weeks will be this Saturday. So we're not, you know, a hundred percent fully juiced, but, but like, I don't know, good enough. I don't know like, how much of that enough. is leeway. Yeah. 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 We're like, we're fine. It's, it's an okay amount of leeway. I feel like you're going to go in there. You're going to wear a mask and you yeah. know, like that combined with like having, you know, being one and a half of X or whatever is, it's going to be fine. It's fine. Are you excited? Yeah. I'm very excited. I have so much, fucking laundry that's just been sitting there for like the stuff at the bottom of my uh, uh laundry hamper has been sitting there for a uh, over a year at this point wow you think it's i don't know what's going on down there that it goes in i i hope not because some of the shapes that my clothes are in are not the shapes that they should be this shirt actually has held up reasonably well this this um the the neckline on this guy is doing okay but uh a couple of my shirts are they're not looking so hot. No. So. Well, maybe maybe next podcast we'll go over the casualties. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, my sister has gone to the laundromat, and uh, she brings good tidings. Uh, in that, you know, for the most part, a trip through the dryer will sort of sort most of these things out. So I'm hopeful for that. Maybe just one one go around, one big blast of heat will uh, 
take care of that. But we'll see. We'll find out tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Fingers crossed for you and all of your uh, all of your articles. Yes, it's a big day. It's a big, big day. You get to you get to talk with your laundromat guy about Phil Mickelson winning a major. Can't wait. Yeah, I especially knowing very much who that is and what the rest of the words in that sentence mean. You've never you've um, never heard you you know who Phil Mickelson is. I know who Phil Mickelson is from um, drug commercials. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it's nice that he also plays golf on the side. <laughs> I, do you remember the the particular drug? Do you remember what kind of drug it's for? Because like, no, t- I I only remember him coming on screen saying, uh, "Hi, I'm Phil Mickelson, and I've been in your shoes." And then my sister yelling, "Get out of my shoes, Phil Mickelson!" And we would mute the TV, and that's all I remember. That's very funny. I like that. That's kind of what what I've been taking to with uh a lot of whenever watching Sox games because they're streamed through like NBC sports app that exists like on my Roku or whatever. Oh yeah. We don't, we don't get, we get like a different feed of ads than what is on like the network itself. Like it'll switch over to a different ad feed as always like the five same ones over and over again. It's always like for Duluth underwear and this weird, like, this weird ad for the University of Chicago's like cancer prevention, not even cancer, like cancer wing or something with a weird like remix of like I'm a survivor in it. Oh, it feels it's like it's extra like emotionally manipulable. Like it just shows like all these actors, like some kid getting his head shaved and someone just like yeah. pounding on the windowsill, just being like, oh, what a frustrating journey really? this is, <laughs> like having cancer. Yeah, it's like it, come it's, on. It's like the same level of like the U.S. Army or something like yeah. that. Or just like, come on, son, be a be a cool gun man. But like for, I don't know, where I was going with it. Oh, but a lot of times when those commercials come up, there'll be like a prompt like, "Do you want to save yada yada in your car insurance?" Go no, and just like mute the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yelling back at commercials is a, a, a tried and true, time tested American pastime. I feel. I mean, we're just inundated with them so much on YouTube as well. The more YouTube I've been watching, Jesus Christ, like just ads left and right. So many ads for a Bitcoin backed Visa card. Kill me. What is What does that mean? It's a card backed by crypto. And there's some robot woman who tells me about it all the damn time. And I've been hearing about it for like the last month and a half. That sucks. And you should get an ad blocker about that. I should, or maybe pay for like YouTube premium or something. I don't think that's worth it. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's the great thing about um, uh, my girlfriend and I started a rewatch of Adventure Time, uh, which is on Hulu. And the great thing about that is, I don't know why, either because uh, the episodes are too short, they're like 11 minutes each, uh, or because it's for kids, or the combination of those two things means no ads play on that show whatsoever oh yeah i know what you're talking about. like yeah hulu just decides whether or not you get ads sometimes and i don't yeah. know, look there is a certain payment there's a certain tier of payment you can get into where it takes out the ads but i think so yeah also sometimes they're just like yeah how about now no ads it's like yeah no, i don't understand how this business works at all but okay it's like this weird abusive relationship where they're like today's the day i'm gonna be nice this is why you stay stick around baby 
It's like, oh, maybe he's not so bad. It wouldn't surprise me if they like slot machine those ads yeah. for particular users or something. Yeah. Or maybe right. their services just get weird and go down and, you know, they can't pump the ads out. I don't know. Probably that, most likely. They just have a series, an array of microphones in your apartment and they know when you're yelling back at, at Phil Mickelson and car insurance ads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, they don't like Phil today. <laughs> when he gets this mad at Phil Mickelson, turn the ads off for the next three days. <laughs> Boy, where do we go from there? Where do you go from there? Um, maybe to what I thought was going to be the strangest place to go. Sure. Uh, which is, I understand we both got the same piece of mail this week. You're reaching for it? Yes, I, I also it. brought it to the table. <laughs> we are holding up our respective uh, membership cards to this weird club that we're in now. And I'm going to uh, go out on a limb and assume that maybe actually some of our listeners have received yeah. this as well. Do you want to describe the card? Likely, yeah. Um, so what we're looking at here is uh, it's a postcard. It's a classic postcard size. Um, and... There's a, there are a series of shapes. It's a it's a black background with green shapes and green text upon it. Uh, the only uh, piece of text in the top left hand corner reads "They're coming," and uh, below that are some like MS Paint intersecting ellipses. There's a series of lines. Um, going up and down the side is a series of numbers, which, um, I worked out as a phone number. Uh, and when you, when you call that number, um, oh, and there's also, um, there's also a number in the bottom left-hand corner, which reads 310,478. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So when you call the number, it, it makes some sort of unearthly alien sounds, and maybe there's a, a person's voice saying they're coming. I couldn't make it out. No. There's, yeah, just, there's some there's some splits of like a voice like coming in through a radio or something, right? Yeah. So there's something particularly extraterrestrial. Um, yeah. About whatever campaign this is. Yeah. There's there's no return address. It doesn't say who it's from. It's clearly some kind of viral marketing campaign. Um, I went and uh, dug in on Twitter and uh, hashtag they're coming was trending the other day, apparently. Um, so I, I put my postcard out there and I was like, hey, what the hell is this? And apparently it's some kind of ARG. Okay. That's uh, fun. Prob probably for a video game because it's, it sounds like um, what the, the people who are already dedicated to this thing have, I think, found out is that uh, the common denominator of all the people who have received these is they have previously purchased something from I am eight bit, which is an online video game web store. Yeah. I thought it was fan gamer, but maybe I'm just mixing those up. Oh, it could be fan gamer. Are they affiliated? I don't think so. Um, okay. but I have purchased from both of them, so it could yeah. be either or. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so probably for some kind of video game, which sure. Do you think that it's a new title is the thing? Like, do we know what are, what are like the, do, do we think that it's really going to be super, super alien branded? Is it, is it going to be like, didn't they already like put out like the remake of destroy all humans or, or something like that? Oh, did they? Um, I feel like that exists. Yeah. Yeah. People, I feel some, like some people on Twitter were saying Starfield. I feel like they wouldn't. What I, is this that? doesn't. This doesn't feel like Starfield to me. Starfield is that um, 
the space-themed um, RPG from Bethesda that's uh, coming up. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, this doesn't match that branding at all. But then again, no. you know, like, I could see with an ARG that you don't want the branding of the thing itself to lend too much to what your product is going to be. That's true, yeah. So, who knows? Yeah. When when I realized that it was an ARG, I felt a combination... I, what, well, what I really felt was relief that I didn't have to care about this anymore. Because I'm <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> no. No, but you do get to, like, siphon off of other people's work and just be like, ah, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. I got to be on Twitter and be like, you know, somebody had a thread already of, like, here's what we know. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, good luck and goodbye. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, akin to the... Uh, like all those people doing like the weird data mining with all the valves, like ARG stuff too, back in the day. Yeah. And like the weird images that they were able to prop up from like, I just, I think we did a, actually, I think we did a podcast on it like way back in the day. Oh, um, I bet we did. Yeah. I remember being very excited about the portal Two ARG. Yeah. I seem to remember that someone had to like do something particular with an old piece of like networking hardware in order oh, to yeah. like get, to decipher what was going on, but I, I, the details are, you know, lost to time. That would be great. I don't remember that either. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was probably 10 years ago now. Easily. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> I, I had this all ready to go and I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to reveal this mysterious piece of mail that I got. And then I see in, in the doc that we share. Yeah, I got that thing too. <laughs> Right, and the and the only reason that I wasn't freaked out about it when I initially got it is because someone else in the Anamanakuja Discord had posted that they had gotten oh. it as well. And so I saw the same thing and went, oh, okay, so something, yeah, something's right. going on then. Um, Apparently pe- there were different designs. I'm surprised we got the same we got the same design on the front. Yeah, and it's the same design that was in the Discord as well. Um, but there are okay. four of them, I think. Okay. So what, yeah. did you did you read at all about what it, it, like, have you read the the kind of the tweet thread about like what we know so far? Or I didn't like do that? a deep dive. I I got as far as um, we think it's an I am eight bit mailing list. It's for a video game, and then something about like it got into here here here's the like algorithm that I figured out for deciphering these symbols. It has a lot to do with hexagons, and here's here's the direction in which I was like, okay, I'm done. I. I <laughs> I checked out after that. Yeah. All right. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck with this, you kids. Right, right. You let me know if you find anything. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll, we'll wait to see what is revealed about that. Maybe I'll do a deep dive in between this and the next episode. And if we find anything out and uh, if I do indeed remember to do that, then maybe we'll, we'll check back in on uh, ARG Corner. Another segment that we're setting up. This is an Oops All Segments episode. (laughs) Surely there's a better name. ARG Corner. There's got to be something in there, right? Yeah. Can't come up with it on the spot, though. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We do it at the end of the show, and we call it Closing Arguments. I mean, when you're right, you're right. Okay. There it is, folks. The pact has been made in blood. That's why they pay us the big bucks. (laughs) Um, how's Final Fantasy 7? It's good. It's good. And I'm, uh, I've checked in a little bit, uh, here and there. 
uh, between pods. But I, I feel like I'm making progress on puzzling out exactly how I feel about it and exactly how I feel about my experience of feeling about it. I've made, you know what? I, I made some notes because I write these things down. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the context here being that I, I find it necessary to try to puzzle out why I like this game because I spent so long being so vehemently opposed to Final Fantasy and, and JRPGs in general. Uh, and so I find it fascinating that I like fell so incredibly in love with Final Fantasy VII being my first Final Fantasy game. Um, and I, th- I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Like the other day in the shower, more shower thoughts, I kind of drew a line back to, do you remember, like, also probably like 10 years ago, there was a time where, like, Skyward Sword came out, and there was a big groundswell of, like, backlash against classical tropes and and mechanics and gameplay styles, and games are too hand-holdy, like, cut out the tutorials, like, how about, you know, more games that don't tell you anything? Like, that's why Dark Souls got so big after that. And I feel yes. like there was a big, like, shift in the the video game world consciousness that I guess affected me very deeply. That was like a, not even like purposefully, but like a subconscious movement against classical gameplay styles. And as far as classical gameplay styles go, JRPGs are like pretty like almost as foundational as you can get without going all the way back to Pong. There's some boilerplate stuff that you're, you're going to find between them, right? I mean, the canic, the mechanics in a JRPG are made manifest as UI 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I feel like probably a lot of that was sort of subconsciously welded into my brain that, JRPGs are the poster child for the, you know, all of this old cruft that we need to do away with. And like, I don't have time for this. And all of all of the parts of old video games that should be thrown away, basically. Now, do you think that there was stuff that you're playing at the time that helped reinforce this or that it was just this kind of overarching feeling that people were putting out that kind of seeped in like what do you do you have examples of things that you played that kind of you know bolted that down for you yeah i mean probably i i know i had tried to um like once the door of emulators was opened to me and i was like ooh, messing around with these is really fun i tried my hand at a couple of final fantasies uh on a snes emulator and they were like I, I bounced off of them. They were sort of unintelligible to me. I think most of, most of the problem there is that, uh, I, I think most of the time I couldn't get the text to render legibly. And like, that is just not, I was probably playing with a keyboard and that's not a great way to play a super Nintendo game. Um, and also based on when those games are coming out too, like that's the era of games coming with instruction booklets right. as well. Um, yeah, that is the norm. Like you, you buy this big beefy game, and the manual is in some cases required reading. 
So, I mean, also at this time, um, 2010, 2011, is also the kind of indie boom, right? Of yep. all these, like, little games, Xbox Live Arcade, you know, the boom comes to Steam. You have, you know, Meat Boy, uh, Spelunky, Fez, all of that, Braid. Um, and there are all these tiny little games that are kind of this new wave of mechanics forward and story takes a back seat to all of that. And so I think I was also really influenced by that wave of like mechanics are what is the most important thing about a video game. And I think subconsciously for a long time, I really believed that and really sought out and, you know, thought I more uh, enjoyed more games that were mechanics forward and not so much story heavy, which is ironic because at the same time, I was also very much enjoying games like Portal and Half-Life and you know, immersive sims like Deus Ex. Like around 2010, 2011, I, I, I had an incredible time with Deus Ex Human Revolution uh, and then, you know, went back and played the original Deus Ex. So it's, I mean, it's not, it's not that those games are obviously very different from something like a JRPG, but and probably the, those differences not not helped maybe but did not um there was no way for for those games to tear down those those doors of ignorance that a JRPG can be good because this game is yes they both have story in them but an immersive sim is so much uh, more different in 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 the way that it present, presents those things so I think that those immersive sims still are very mechanics forward in their presentation. Right. Though, right. It's a lot. It's, it's focused on a lot of your, your verbs. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. So I was thinking today then about how I haven't felt that sort of mid game slump with final fantasy seven that a lot of, especially modern games tend to have like a lot of, modern open world games there will just you'll get to a middle section and this is where a lot of people fall off and it's just like hey i don't know do stuff for a bit because people feel that games should last a really long time especially with open world stuff like yeah the oftentimes the um well well, let's talk about this in almost like a a business and like company sense a little bit as well yeah the unless you're doing something procedural which I think a lot of the a lot of the more mainstream popular um, open world games are not. You've got a lot of assets to pump out, which means and a lot of like bespoke situations as well, peppered throughout a gigantic world. And because of that, you need a big company. And because you need a big company, you need to pay a lot of people. And because you need to pay a lot of people, it takes a lot of money and resources to make this thing, which means, unfortunately, investors are going to want to make their buck back. And part of a very big open world game, unfortunately, is uh, people, you know, equate the amount of time you sink into it with the value they're getting out of it, which, you know, that's another discussion from, you know, 10 years ago that doesn't hold any water because then by the logic you know the the old the classic like rubik of the argument goes by that logic world of warcraft is the best game ever made right (laughs) obviously you know we've we've moved on to better things right yeah um and it's it's funny you bring up procedural generation because i think um 
a lot of the difference of where that slump comes from is sort of when you leave the realm of authored content uh, and there's like a, a, a chasm between like, hey, if you can just build this bridge across this chasm, you can get to the rest of the authored content at the end game, which is really, really good. But you have to go through this slog first. Um, and so I was thinking about those being preconceived notions about JRPGs uh, for me and that, you know, oh, they're big open worlds. There's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of story. It's going to take a really long time and be boring. And maybe, you know, maybe that's true for some JRPGs for me personally. But I, I, hadn't, I hadn't been thinking of it uh, that way as I'm playing through it because um, I'm not a sociopath. But <laughs> looking, looking back at my uh, almost 30-hour experience now, I'm realizing just how much it has felt like I haven't hit a slump and I'm 30 hours in, right? Like, it feels like I haven't gotten to that. I, I've never hit a point where I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do some of this for a while. I, when I've walked away from it, it's been because I'm busy or because I want to do something else that evening. It hasn't been because, oh God, I have to go back and do that. And in fact, my experience of playing Final Fantasy VII has felt like a moving from one, I guess, incredible experience to the next. Like, I, you hit one set piece and you're like, oh shit, like, this, this thing that I am doing right now, this, this is it. This is transcendent. This is the moment that this game is built upon and I should enjoy it and savor it. Okay, and now we're moving on. And then... You know, a couple hours later, I'll hit another point where I feel that high again. And I'm like, oh, wait, shit. No, this is transcendent. This is incredible. And I just keep hitting those points. And there is an, an adequate, there, there's, no, there's no point at which you are putting the ball down and going off the beaten path before you come back to then try to get to the next point. It's all running with the ball to the next end zone, which is how football works, right? There's a series of end zones laid end to end. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, you're talking about mega football. It's our new IP. <laughs> right. Mega football from, uh, from the makers of, what is that one? What's, is the XFL something? Is that still something? We've the XFL. The XFL is something and it is not anything anymore. They, uh, well, Vince McMahon tried to bring back the XFL. Oh, it was I, Vince. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he he also originally started the XFL as well, like way back in the day. Um, okay. Let's just check on the status of the XFL really quick because let's do that. I yeah. think that somebody else owns it now. Oh. I is it The Rock? Does The Rock own the XFL? Fuck. Please, please. Dwayne The Rock Johnson does own the XFL now. He, I guess, uh, bought uh, bought that from from vince wow my friend has a theory that he's going to try and run for president oh he absolutely is you think of so? course yeah, yeah. that's that is 100 percent where we're at as a country well i and i think too like the way that they've explained it is the rock has this weird brand of just like really wanting to be liked regardless yeah. of like he kind of shapes himself into whatever role or little like a niche passion thing 
that he happens to be a part of it just to be liked by folks. Like when he, um, I feel like he was for like either a speaking role he did or maybe a bit of acting he did for like a video game movie. He was like a big gamer for a little bit. He also yeah. was trying to brand and be like a tequila guy for a little while and mm-hmm. has his own tequila brand, which I've actually tried and it's pretty good. <laughs> okay. It's, it's like sipping tequila, which is a weird thing to say because when I when I think of tequila, out of all of the other major like families of liquors, I recoil because it is the one of the skunkier li- liqueurs to me. Okay. Um, or now liqueur, that's a different thing. Just one of the one of the weirder um, hard liquors. But anyways, um, yeah, he he owns the XFL now. That's outstanding. That is an incredible turn of events. And uh, I couldn't be happier for him and for us. So getting back to Final Fantasy VII. So it sounds like what's keeping you wrapped in is that there's just really good pacing in terms of set pieces and interactions between like characters in the immediate environments and the situations that they're being put into. Like it, it just sounds like it's really nailing the moments. It is. It, it, all of it feels purposeful and authored. And I just really respect that apart from like enjoying what it is that is being authored like it's a great experience this leaves me so curious because i've always i think i've always kind of written off on fantasy 7 as well as being like oh well i haven't really gotten i've never through my life as i have i gotten much into final fantasies i played through a mm-hmm. big chunk of eight when i was younger and i kind of want to like get the remaster of eight on the switch at some point just to like check that thing out because it's yeah, I think it's a pretty bleak Final Fantasy, which I'm so yeah. about. Um, like I think child I might go there next. Like child soldier shit. Oh like, shit! Yeah, yeah. Which I think I'm. I also have a predisposition towards because like um, the second Metal Gear deals with that as well, <laughs> just uh-huh. as an offhand topic. Um, yeah, and I love that game so so much. Metal Gear Two is like Metal Gear Two might actually be up there for me in terms of like older games that I actually really really appreciate for their broader context and maybe that's a discussion we get into at a, at a yeah. different time because like there's there's so much surrounding the anticipation of that game and uh what people wanted it to be that it toys with very intentionally throughout that that whole thing um yeah but i think i'd always written off final fantasy 7 as being overhyped nostalgia because sure. that's that's yeah. like the classic that people always I, I feel like that's one of the classics that people always come back to is like Final Fantasy VII is the greatest game of all time. Like Absolutely, that's the, yeah. That I think we've heard that a million times over. That's our, a fair you know, assessment, our, and I mean that's the one they remade. So, yeah, like full ass remade. Like, yeah, that yeah. is absolutely like a a a big mainstream feeling. That is the game that people hype up. So, yeah, right, but that's but again hearing your accounts of it though, like just for the sake of like revisiting older, more formative games in general, like historic like video games that, that is in an intriguing prospect to me. So I'm totally, it'd be cool to dip my toes into that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time playing the game and I'm also having a great time, like puzzling out, uh, just how wrong I was about, these like preconceived notions that I had about video games. And there's still like, 
I, I mean, you can hear it in, in how stilted my discussion of this is like, they're, I'm, they're still being formed in my brain, but I'm, I'm like, I'm making notes. I'm going to write a blog post about this at some point. I will probably make a video about it. Um, because I find it very interesting to, uh, to tackle. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good to just kind of pry in and do a little bit of that self-reflection and just being like, Oh, I was, I was wrong about this type of thing. Yeah. And what does that say about me and what are my newfound realizations about it now? I, I yeah. kind of did this for a little bit too in not enjoying a thing where like this is, uh-huh. um, it was, uh, I watched Queen's Gambit throughout like oh, the course of maybe right. a month or two. And I think right. I, I think I messaged you about this too, where I just, I couldn't understand why everyone was as gaga about it as they were. And I don't think it's a bad show, but I did not understand the hype of why people were so about it. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's got some neat set. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to get into, but it was the same thing for me sure. where it was just like, I feel insane. What is everyone seeing in this? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like the inverse where I spent, I mean, I spent my entire life like thinking a certain way about this, this collection of, of media and you kind of, got to experience the inverse where you were unaware of it your entire life because it didn't exist. And right. And now I'm just convinced that like, now I'm just convinced that like a lot of Netflix authored content might just be shit or like, or at the very least just like not worth my time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true that it's like a, it's Netflix. They just want to get shit on the board. Another thing, another idea too, that had been brought to me is that like the, um, my film friend's theory of how Netflix makes shows is that they make it to be accommodating to people always having their phone nearby them, which is to say mm. that they will remind folks about major story arcs and events and kind of pace things slower to accommodate for the fact that people are going to be look checking their phones every couple of minutes, which yeah. I, I don't know how much I buy into it, but I wouldn't be surprised necessarily. Um, yeah, I, I guess that would make sense to me. That's incredibly cynical and it makes me sad if it's true, but yeah, woof. And I, you know, I'm basing this off of watching one show, so I can't, I can't throw my hat into the, the ring one way or another about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hot take. Queen's Gambit was just okay. Everyone needs it. Like if people are more (laughs) interested in chess now because of it, cool. Chess is neat. Chess is very interesting. Um, but that show was so bland. Damn. I liked it. I had a really good time with it. Maybe it was just like quarantine doing a number on everybody's brains. I, that's yeah. That's nothing, almost, nothing else came out last year. Yeah. I feel like I was going to vaguely talk about this, like this one, uh, X vine star turned like YouTuber, uh, okay. named, um, internet Shaquille. <laughs> okay um i'm not familiar with internet shaquille yeah so uh, he he had a lot of like really funny vines back in the day but the thing that is curious to me is that he was able to like obviously pivot after that ended and make like a very straightforward fairly well produced like food youtube channel the thing i think that that kind of makes it different from a lot of other individual food YouTube channels is that he very straight up talks about how 
this thing is not his sole like creative endeavor. Like he, he's yeah. not make, he's not, his goal is not to make money off of it. He's got a day job. And so he'll post a video like every couple of months just being like, Hey, here's a quick three minute one. I'm going to show you how I roast chickpeas and why I keep chickpeas around all the time. And here's like three quick like recipes that you can like check in the, uh, in like the description for, and everything like that. Or just like another, another good series of things that he has is like, Hey, here's this one topic in food that people have gone way too overboard on in terms of like the nitty gritty details of, I'm going to teach you about how to do the bare minimum of owning a cast iron skillet. Yeah. Very quick, very witty, very like well-produced and well-written short videos of this. Um, I, I think the, the title of the video is like how to, how to own a cast iron skillet without being a nerd about it, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which good. is, which I think is like, is such a perfect idea, right? Because I, yeah. I think that we're familiar with this thing of like, Oh, so here's this like little subsection of thing that I can get into. And then there are inner communities that go so hard on having very like very wild takes on how you need to have the best of the best X, Y, Z in order to maintain these things, you know? Yes. Coffee. Um, yes. He's got one on coffee as well. <laughs> there you go. Um, right. So, um, it's a, it's a good thoughtful channel because it's respectful of people's times. It's well produced. It's, I think overall just like a boon to people who like want to get a little bit better at cooking or like are kind of familiar with like a couple of cooking ideas, but aren't so, uh, sure they can like execute on them yeah and and again also just like i was saying before just an interesting pivot of someone who's like took the momentum of being popular on on vine which i think at this point we can say was while i enjoyed it i don't think vine vine was good for what it was it wasn't doing like cultural good it wasn't doing like the lord's work necessarily right like it was a fun thing you pop on you you have a goof or a laugh and and that's that um but someone taking like this comedy vine thing and just pivoting that momentum into doing a well-produced, well-informed content elsewhere is just fun and nice. And it, it's good to see like a face of that era age well into like this era too. Where right. It's very straightforward about like, hey, I'm not gonna. Or he does. He does have like a couple of like little sponsor things he does, but he's very straightforward about them. He doesn't try and like overdo it. He's uh, very uh, self-aware about how <laughs> like. For instance, he's got a video kind of like taking down, uh, not HelloFresh, Daily Harvest, which is like the food subscription service that like sends you like little smoothie things that you like whip up. And he's like, yeah. And he opens with just being like, hey, capitalism's whole point is to find one insecurity in your brain and then massage the shit out of it until you like break down and give somebody money about it. Yeah. And so he's just like, hey, well, from this perspective, here's why Daily Harvest makes no goddamn sense at all <laughs> and how you can be spending your money in better places. And I, I, yeah. his, he's very um, like DIY and like frugality forward, I guess, is the best way to put it with with a lot of this stuff. Um, uh, so I guess this is just me like putting putting up that channel here. Yeah, that's I, th- I feel like I've seen specifically that daily harvest daily harvest video pop up like in my recommendations on youtube because we watch a lot of food stuff now um but also i just really like those like those ideas of both um a person not going super hard on youtube and being very upfront about like i'm gonna make this once in a while it's not gonna be a thing don't worry about it 
Um, and the, the similar idea of like the bare minimum you need to get into something and you don't have to like be weird and eccentric about it and, and how well those two things mesh together. That's nice. Yeah. That's just nice. And like seeing someone not turn into an internet weirdo. Yeah, and not turn into an internet good. weirdo and also just not be like a fucking like billboard. Nazi. <laughs> oh, well, that that also. <laughs> um, either way. Either, either or. Um, yeah. Because I feel like that's just the ecosystem, right? Where in order to make a living off of this stuff, you do have to be like a brand evangelist on certain yeah. things and, you know, just... <sighs> I don't know. America, America's at a weird point. I think. Yeah. I don't. I, I like. I don't want to be like old man in the house, like trying to extrapolate, like just my so the small subsection of just like, oh wow, like YouTube ads are kind of overbearing, and like the way that people have to twist their personalities to kind of like do branding for a product is kind of weird. I don't want to over extrapolate that necessarily. Be like, ah, the country's weird, but I do think the country's a little bit weird right now. Yeah. And yeah, I mean. Yeah. Things just feel extra fake. <laughs> they do. Um, they do. But um, what what isn't fake is the website that you can build by going to squarespace.com slash loudfriends. And if you go there... Like to call it Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's very good. I'm glad you think so, because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Should we take a quick break so that uh, we can turn the AC on and refresh? Yeah, yeah that's a good idea. We'll be right back after these, uh, what are, what are the things that air conditioners emit? Fluorocarbons or something? I don't know. Uh, we're back. Zach, did you, uh, did you cool off during our, during our little, our little break there? I did actually, I opened the window and like cold air immediately started pouring in the room, which is very nice. That's great. Um, yeah, it is. It is dropping a little bit more around here. Like we had a we had like a week of 80s, which like you know if you're not prepared for, just just beat the shit out of you. Like it really yeah. does. Um, but uh, yeah, it's cooling off. So that's that's our our biweekly Chicago weather forecast update here. Excellent. It's uh it's a little warm here still. I think we just had like a passing thunderstorm of some sort. I heard like th- I heard thunder twice and then nothing. So I think we're. That's fun. I have a little kid that lives above me, and he likes to run, so it's like I have a thunderstorm in my home all the time. Hey, me too. You got a kiddo up above you? Yeah, yeah. This little kid likes to run and jump, and I don't know what else. Also, sometimes it sounds like they're just moving furniture for fun, so. Yeah. It's a great time. My old neighbor just sounded like they, I don't know if they like worked out a lot, but they just sound like they dropped shit a lot. Yeah, like, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, keep a hand on that stuff. Yeah, I'm okay with the kid running around. He's got he's got to stretch his leg. He's got a. I'm just hoping that over the years, like it keeps up and he just starts growing and he gets more powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just ends up like in your living room through a large hole. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Hello, and it's like you from the future. Oh no! <laughs> but for some reason, it's a 13 year old version of me <laughs> with a Terminator <laughs> eye. Yes. Things have gone horribly wrong. Now nah, we're or somewhere. Horribly right. If you had a if you had a robot eye, what what um what would you make it like? What functionality would you prioritize and like throw in that thing? Ooh, 
That's a really good question. It, it could like only be good at like one thing. It can't be kind of like yeah. a catch all like future vision sort of thing. Right, right. Um, robot eye. Okay, so I feel like you've got. There are a couple options here. You could go like augmented reality, like overlaying information on things you look at. Mm-hmm. You could go um, X-ray vision. Of for course. perverts, <laughs> you could go um, like uh, uh, it could be like a projector. Ooh. You could just like put like movies on the side of buildings. What's up, guys? Here's Spy Kids too. Yeah, anytime, but it can only play Spy Kids too. <laughs> yeah, you get one piece of media that you can project. Yeah, there are worse movies. Listen. Y'all want to see Grizzly Man? (laughs) Of course you do. Just like light up the subway with some uh, fucking, I don't know, Shrek 4. Was there a fourth Shrek? I feel like I would get overly um, practical with mine and just have it do like, probably do like an AR thing where it would have a, it would have like a database like cross section of like what foods and flavors parallel together. And so I could just like scan a piece of food and just be like, it's like, it would just pop up as like uh, uh salmon, lemon, pepper, uh, you know, zest of yeah. yada, yada, yada. And just, so I'd be able to make, I mean, I'd be able to get the ingredients for perfect meals. It doesn't mean I'd be able to make it perfect. <laughs> right. You, know, you don't have that my, ability. Necessarily. My heart would be in the right place. Yeah. That's, that's a really good choice. I, I think, where I've landed is that I would want um, like uh, uh, an NVIDIA shadow play, just like constantly recording my life because I've found I'm constantly, the the thing that I most often ask Lauren is, hey, what did you say I should put on the list for Target? <laughs> so <laughs> And I would love to just know that shit. Uh, yeah, so you would, yeah, so you would just be able to recall the, yeah. the the memories of kind of what was what just happened your in your immediate purview. Yes. Yeah. What was just said to me because I was not listening. And or short term memory is hard sometimes. Yeah, that's what I would go for. I would go for. Uh, um, we can't call it total recall. It'll be um, um, intermittent recall. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the direct to DVD sequel to uh, to Total Recall. Total Recall is kind of good. I remember I remember watching yeah. it weirdly like with Becca's dad at some family function of theirs. That's a dad movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And me just being like, oh, that was kind of neat and yeah, kind of ridiculous. I've never seen it. I've I've seen like um, five minutes of it with the sound off at a pizza place once. Okay, that's a good piece of place movie. Yeah. yeah, that's a way to see a movie for sure. I remember. I think I saw all of. Oh, what is the Ghibli movie called? With the I think I saw like all of Ponyo in a class once because a kid was just watching it in front of me instead of paying attention to what was arguably maybe the worst class I ever took there, which was a boring as fuck material studies like a material sciences class. Oh, huh. So I've watched, I've seen all of Ponyo. I've not heard any of Ponyo. <laughs> You've, have you seen that movie? I have seen it. <laughs> Do I know what happens? Can I name the characters? There's ham in it in the ocean. I think, 
I think one of them's called Ponyo. <laughs> Ponyo's um, good. Yeah, maybe I'll rewatch it one day when I've forgotten visually everything that happened. In <laughs> right. It. Yeah. I've been thinking about uh, Mononoke recently. I really want to watch uh, Princess Mononoke again. Yeah. Such a, such a really like a, a perfect like duality of beautiful like nature scenery shots and just a very bittersweet impending doom story like yeah that's the roughest one to watch for me really yeah why is that it's i there's just something about that feeling of uh i mean there's the impending doom but also it's like never ending that not the like the movie goes on forever but it that feeling of like everything is wrong feels like it doesn't end hmm like it just goes from like conflict to conflict. It doesn't necessarily follow the like any sort of classical beats. Yeah, it it is just kind of like a series of like escalating like yeah. Oh shit! Now this Jesus. It is yeah yeah yeah. Like nobody can just fucking be cool for two seconds and work together and it's too. I like I I have that out here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, sorry, Mike, but uh, war is hard. Well, that's not what Star Wars taught me. Speaking of Star Wars, I heard you played some new No Man's Sky recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I um, So No Man's Sky is a video game that uh, came out bad until they made it incredible. And just recently they... Um, there were a couple of updates in within the past year. Um, they let you ride the big creatures now, which is great. They're big creatures. Um, I didn't even know there were big creatures to ride. They're big creatures and you can ride them now. I ran into, uh, I landed on a planet and I found these like giant flying beetles, just like chilling, just like flying across the sky. And I was like, come here. I want to be friends with you, but they didn't want to be friends with me. Mm. And I had to leave, and I don't feel good about it. But uh, No Man's Sky has... Um, their latest uh, expansion was called Expeditions, where they added um, an entirely new um, gameplay feature, which is basically a um, one sort of concrete series of uh, goals, uh, which is, if you don't know No Man's Sky, like it's famously pretty open-ended kind of one of those games that is what you make of it um and so this expeditions uh mode is something that's the same every time you open it up it's like here are the things you have to do um which is like i've only played one of them uh which is the latest one it's basically a series of like uh okay fix your ship now um build a car or like it was it started out with you like in this valley and it was like okay get gather all the materials to build a car now drive that car over to your ship over there and now fix your ship and now leave the planet and it's like escalating basically all of the verbs that you can do in this game which is like gather materials and then uh, uh, getting over uh progressively larger hills with those materials more or less uh the latest one is called beachhead i believe 
And the reason that I finally got off my ass to try out this game mode is that at the end of it, you uh, just you just get the Normandy from oh. Mass Effect. <laughs> they, they put the Normandy in there. Right. I forgot about that because that uh, that uh, remaster collection just came out. The Yeah. The whatever it's called. Uh, Legendary Edition. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they talked to Electronic Arts and they were like, yeah, you can have the Normandy. So you just get it at the end of that. And that's only for the next. I think it's only until May 30th. So I really need to get on that and get in there. Um, that's a cool ship. It's really cool. Um, the my biggest problem is that it's boring. Oh, and that's like why the, what you have to do to get the Normandy is not good. Yeah, that's why I haven't finished it. Is uh, it's it's actually kind of boring. Um, I I made my there are like tiers of uh, uh, you know, you complete milestones, and then all of those milestones make up one one leg of this journey, so to speak. Um, so I'm I'm in somewhere in the second leg, and it's like I don't know if maybe it was just the night I wasn't you know I wasn't feeling it. I want to go play something else, but I have also played a lot of No Man's Sky, and I I'm doing things I don't necessarily want to do. I don't find it fun to go back and like purposefully try to seek out something that is or, or can be largely incidental in the world. Like one of the, one of the um, tasks on your list is to um, go buy some like uh, uh, navigation data and try to find a crashed ship, um, which is cool. You can go do that. And like, that's a way to um, like find a new ship that's out there you can either sit on a space station and wait for people to land and say hey can i buy your ship or you can do this and and go out and find a junker basically and then fix it up yourself and then you have it uh which is cool but some of the tasks are maybe a little too specific like this one isn't just to find a downed ship it's to find a find a crashed ship that uh, uh, who, whose pilot is still present at the crash site and needs your help, which is a subset of finding a crashed ship that you can't necessarily um, filter for when you're mm -hmm. trying to find that specific object in the game. So where I'm at, unless I'm doing something wrong, which I don't think I am, is kind of a little bit of grinding, more or less, I'm just buying up navigation data and being like, okay, is somebody at this crash site? Is somebody at this crash site? And that doesn't feel great. Yeah. That, um, yeah, that's a, that sounds like a, a strange move. That doesn't sound very appealing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting for them to add something like this to this game. I just don't know that. Like, I think it's really smart to put the Normandy at the end because I, I think that might be incentive enough for me to try to slog through this. And maybe my opinion will change as I get through it. Um, I'll be a happy camper if I, if I get to look at the Normandy every time I boot up No Man's Sky. But um, for where I'm at right now, it, it kind of just feels like maybe there's, there's not enough here to make this feel like an accomplishment to me, someone who has played over a hundred hours of No Man's Sky. Yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds a little tacked on for someone who's already kind of seen the rest of that game. For sure, yeah, it's it 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 is 
basically that experience of like, I've seen it all, so the doing of it isn't necessarily exciting. These achievements don't feel like achievements because I've already really done it all. So ultimately, expeditions, maybe uh, maybe attacked on clunker. Maybe you think it's kind of like, is it kind of bolted on for the Normandy? It kind of feels that way to me. And this is their, I want to say it's their second um, expedition. It's, it's they're, they're going to put new, like, different uh, uh, expeditions out as, like, seasonal content. Um, so I would be interested to see what the differences are, like, to, to what degree there can be differences. And, like, whether or not this is the one that they made the most... Um, the one that they created with objectives that are the closest to the vanilla, like starting up a new game of new man's no man's sky experience because the Normandy might draw in new people. That would make sense to me. Like the things that you were talking about, some more so just like, Oh, because it's incidental. Maybe it's easier to find it over the course of like when you're initially starting or something or not easier, but maybe it feels a little bit more natural based on a new player's experience and progression with that thing. Yeah, definitely. It does, I I will say two things um, before I stop talking about No Man's Sky, is it is very interesting to see them, and this isn't the first time they've done this, but it, it is interested, interesting to see them play with authored content in what is a big sandbox game. Um, I mean, a, a they have like they added a whole story layer a couple of story layers over the past like four or five years how long has this game existed um so they've done that before um it's just interesting to see them do that mechanically as opposed to like adding a bunch of story elements on top i was i was Um, gonna say like can you finish the story of no man's sky or oh yeah okay yeah and then it just like opens up into Mm -hmm. do whatever you want um, the other thing that I want to say about this is that you do get, um, uh, uh, rewarded materials for completing each leg of the expedition. Um, like each individual, uh, uh objective you get, um, uh, 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 materials that help you move forward at, let's say an accelerated rate. Um, so it is cutting out a lot of the sort of farming and crafting that you might have to do if you were just playing no man's sky like okay you don't have to sit around crafting um fuel for your ship or like um uh, uh, antimatter for your hyperdrive or whatever like here it is you can just move on to the next thing and then if you do need it you have the crafting recipe so there is that i just uh maybe it's the, the place i'm at maybe it's this specific expedition but it feels like that isn't quite enough to to, to keep it interesting and get you through it. So I'll, I'll come back to it. Like I'll try to get through it because I really want to get the Normandy. Uh, but then I'll maybe, you know, come back to it when they put up the next one and see the, it, it would be interesting to have another data point here to see like, what is the arc of expeditions? Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was just a circumstance of like, uh, Oh, this was made to draw in new players. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. Maybe it's know, that. that. And that progression is just, different when you're just starting out it, it sounds almost like weirdly like mmo-ish as well where like is it is right. it meant for like new players to get a quick get up and go based on the rewards that are being given out because like oddly it reminds me of like early maple story 
did not have any like beginner quests. So you you just kind of had to grind for a couple hours until you were able to hit a certain level to leave like the starter island. Um, huh. And I know this because a certain like uh, streamer that I like started like playing on like a private like vanilla maple story server, and I whipped that out because I was unemployed and depressed and still am. Yeah. But uh, I was, you know, I, I played that game when I was quite a bit younger with friends, so I have fond memories of it. And going back to play that, it feels so much more honest. Weirdly, <laughs> like there isn't a lot of glitz and glamour and spectacular like exploitative hooks in like us like that you would have in like a, a free-to-play like service game that try to sink you into it just like no you love it up you get a little bit better but that scale is linear <laughs> and i uh, see okay but anyway so but what i was mentioning is that the the vanilla version that i played was not the version that i played back in the day what i played was after it was like after a couple of years of it existing and so like that curve of like there being some quests to help get you going quicker was like there when I started playing back in the day and that didn't Mm. exist on the vanilla, um, the vanilla private server. So um, anyways, that's just a tangent to say that. um, uh, Yeah. Again, maybe this, unfortunately it just isn't, isn't for, for you or you're at it as a player, but you know, it's something that we can come back to. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll keep going through it. And like maybe the later stages of the expedition get really interesting. And like, maybe there's some shit I haven't touched. Who knows? Uh, still love that game. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think it's worth it to get and like play through the story? Like, is that story anything? Um, yeah. And I, I think it is a really good, I don't know about really good, but it's a good on ramp to, um, all of the different points that you'll touch uh, in becoming a seasoned player. And like, it is, um, it does some cool stuff. There's some cool story beats. Um, it has some things to say about like the nature of existence and really wants you to think about what this universe is that you're in and like whether or not anything is real and what that means, which is cool. Um, I enjoyed my time with it and I, I felt good when I finally, um, finished it over last year it was last year i finished that's funny the, the those um those vibes sound very similar to what is that other space game what is the other space game that came out in like 2019 that everybody loved you played it it's a recurring uh time loop game in which you're in one contained universe outer wilds yes correct yep um I wouldn't put them in the same camp at well, all. Well, I mean, but, like not not mechanically. But no, of course, those themes, like, like the yeah, the- yeah, thematically with the story is what it, it kind of like reminded me of a little bit. Have you finished that? I have. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good. 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 Yeah. I have to chat about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I um. I think there's DLC coming out for that. Really. Possibly soon. Yeah. Ooh. What else? Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will say, comparing the two games, Outer Wilds, even though it's, I, I think it's different because it, you're stuck in a time loop, but it is the same, like, extant solar system every time. Like, there's a real feeling that, like, this is your solar system. This is one place that exists. And even, like, with what the ending of that game has to say, like, everything is... Outer Wilds, more. It, yeah, Outer Wilds is fully authored. Like, right, 
the way you get from point A to point Z is going to differ, but like the game's like a solid state thing. Right, right. And and I think that that is both um, mechanically and narratively uh, in as opposed to um, No Man's Sky, where like mm. not everything is authored. It's a little more of a sandbox experience. And the narrative acknowledges that and has something to say about that. And that makes uh. everything feel a little more like disposable, I guess I'll say like. Outer Wilds feels feels the way that it feels because you are trying to save this one solar system that there is, whereas No Man's Sky is very much like, eh, just jump to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Outer Wilds is like a an intricate grandfather clock. Where right. No Man's Sky is well, I don't know because I haven't played it, but it it sounds like it's a uh, a little more cool with, like you say, disposing of pieces of what it's doing narratively, maybe. Yeah, and and the pieces of its universe. Like ju- to give a really quick example, um, the solar system in Outer Wilds, you know every single planet and what it does. I I couldn't name for you a single planet that I've been to in my one hundred and twenty hours of No Man's Sky. Really, no, the, one, no one had any any really good like. No one named a planet Big Chungus, and like you came I've, across that. I feel like I probably named a planet Borat at one point because the (laughs) proc gen name was like just close enough to being Borat that I was like, eh, let's just push you over the edge. Yeah. Uh, But every, yeah, everything is proc gen. So it like, that makes everything feel really disposable. And so like, I mean, the narrative elements that they added on top of that to, to have something to say about it was cool, but that's why those two games feel different to me. Oh, for sure. Are you hearing that? No. What's going on? Okay. Someone was like clapping or hitting something really loudly, and I just heard someone yell, "Wake up! Wake the fuck up! Thank you." <laughs> it's nine p.m. <laughs> New York, wild baby. Yeah, I guess so. Cool neighbors. <laughs> hey, so no one told you life was gonna be this way. Wake up! Wake the fuck up! <laughs> After the four claps, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Got a real Ross up there. I don't know. It's, uh... I'm trying to think. I don't know if I've got anywhere else to go to uh, from that. I don't know if I want to like force any more content into the airwaves here. Hmm. 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 Only thing. The only thing else I'll I'll say that's like completely unrelated to anything else that we talked about is that uh, uh Beck and I are gonna be going to a baseball game on June fourth, which yo uh, real excited about. Um, it's gonna be. White Sox against the Detroit Tigers. And uh Yeah, it should be fun. Should be interesting. They're they're in the same division, but I think the Tigers are just like I think they're like dog shit right now. <laughs> I think yeah. they're like the second worst team in the conference at the moment. So like Yikes. Who knows what'll happen here? Either the White Sox will beat the shit out of them or it'll be like a weirdly tense game where like the Sox might lose one against like a terrible team. But um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that'll be fun. I haven't been to like a sporting event in, you know, quite a while. And yeah, uh, it being at the point it is, I, I think it'll be a nice like kind of bake in the sun, watch a little bit of baseball, the crack yeah. of the bat sort of thing. Yeah, I'm sure you could use that at this point. 
get some peanut shells or just peanut not just the peanut shells but the peanuts also the peanuts just get a bag of peanut them. shells yeah throw the shells where the fuck ever yeah good feeling get some dip and dots i think um i think uh, oh. socks, socks park also has like uh like some street food stuff too i think they always have like a uh, uh, elote as well Ooh, yeah shit i think a dip and dots place just opened up in brooklyn somewhere is that what they have physical stores yeah oh i thought it, i thought that was like just a ballpark in like chicago museum commodity <laughs> right yeah no this is like a place that does dip and dots is it is it like branded as like dip and dots or is it like I b- yeah i believe so i can i can here let me let me look this up i saw it on gothamist i'm gonna search gothamist dip and dots Nostalgic favorite Dippin' Dots opens first ever NYC shop. Oh, it's in Manhattan. So it's very, very far away from you. Yeah, it's in the Flatiron District. Well, yeah, those are Dippin' Dots. Part of me was kind of hoping it was going to be some weird, like, we can't say that we're Dippin' Dots. We're we're a different thing, but we're basically Dippin' Dots. Icy Polka Dots. (laughs) We are uh, Dippable... uh, uh periods <laughs> this is all i could come up with and they always play polka music in the uh in the lobby <laughs> yeah yeah i dip and dots is one of those things that whenever somebody mentions like mentions them at all or like where you can get them i'll like perk up and be like oh man dip and dots but they're not good are they, i mean yeah they're they're 80 percent novelty right like yeah the, the, the taste of them is just all right it's more so just about like oh look at these weird little frozen balls <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's still, I don't know, maybe it's just that they've remained elusive enough that that shine hasn't worn off, but it's like you would buy a cup just to spend five minutes going, you know, what the fuck is this stuff? Yeah. Ex- and put right. it in your mouth. Exactly, too. And, and I think that is just exactly like the, the in my mind, it's, it is the exclusive. Because I don't know if you can like order Dippin' Dots. I don't know if that's a thing you can do or not. I have like, no it's idea. always just at like live events as far as I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, and there were like um, dip and dot days at school where you would like there get them were. with hot lunch. You're right, right? Oh, yeah, man, that's where I first experienced dip and dots. Maybe they're a, maybe they're actually a lot smarter about their business model than we give them credit <laughs> for. Yeah, maybe they understand the uh, the supply and demand. Right. Yeah, that we still look back on them fondly. Yeah, it's okay. They'll they'll be a brand that's ruined somehow definitely oh yeah if they're if they're if this is any indication of them like making a comeback yeah they'll they'll fuck it up they're gonna be like the leader of like ocean acidification somehow <laughs> yeah yeah each uh each individual dip and dot requires us to uh club a seal to death it's weird <laughs> but we don't make the rules we just have to the kind of, there's something about this the the <laughs> The ethereal stress of the situation really just helps get those creamy little balls. Yeah, yeah, there'll be something. Uh, we're me, uh, me, my sister, and 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 Lauren are going to the Brooklyn Botanic Garden on Saturday. Oh, that's cool. Very excited to be at a place outside. We're gonna get on the subway for the first time in a year. Oh my god! Wow. And go somewhere. Yeah. That's gonna be. You're gonna like get there and just be like exhausted. Like, wow, that was already a lot. <laughs> Yeah, let's just go home now, yeah. Right, right. I gotta figure out if our Metro cards still work and everything. It's gonna be a real process. We're excited, though. 
Is there more fighting happening? There's more clapping now, yeah. Who is yelling? And at whom are you yelling? And why? This is unprecedented. Like, my, ma- my neighbors make noise, but this is new. Are they, like, aggressively applauding something? <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah, there's just, like, uh, particularly cool, like, uh, commercial. Maybe they really like Phil Nicholson. I think it's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to another yeah. episode of Loud Friends. Yeah, this is something I actually realized that for the all the other episodes that we've done, we never like I never we never think our listeners are just kind of like, all right, well, bye. <laughs> Peace. Yeah, um, no, we we should. Yeah, we should have an outro. I think at one point we had like a joke outro where we were like, well, what do we say? And we didn't have anything. Um, and that's no different now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, except to say uh, for everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. Um, I mean, we don't really have like a way to interact with everybody. I think that's okay because uh, there's, I think, like five of you, but that's cool. Uh, just want to let you know, thanks for listening to whatever this is and whatever this will continue to become. Yeah. Keep dreaming. Yeah. Is that is that our new outro? Keep dreaming. <laughs> Whether you like to or not, keep dreaming. Keep dreaming.